Hi, and welcome to the Newberry Chronicles. This is a podcast where two readers read through every single Newberry Medal winner, and then we talk about it. I'm Michael. And I'm Rebecca. And this time on the Newberry Chronicles, we're talking about Summer of the Swans, which is the 1971 medal winner. I would just like to say to all of our listeners out there, that was the first time that Michael has done the intro correctly without having to stop the podcast and start it over again. So congratulations. They're not ruin it by saying something obscene right now. Well, no, we're Like good. what you were saying right before the podcast. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, just as a, um, a way to kick us off with some just housekeeping first, uh, don't forget you can email us at newberrychronicles at gmail.com. Newberry is one R. Um, and uh, as a follow-up to last time, I just wanted to... Make sure everyone knew that we were considering, um, pending feedback on everybody, uh, whether or not we should have a little small short segment at the beginning of the podcast each time uh, where Rebecca and I just talk about what we're reading besides Newberry Medal winners, um, if people would be interested in that or not. Um, if you are, let us know. If you're not, let us know. Uh, either way, <laughs> let, let, us us, know. let us know so we know whether to add it or not. Also... Um, let us know why you guys like A Gathering of Days, the episode on A Gathering of Days so much. That is our most listened to episode by a significant margin. Like, it is more than double of the listens of the next most popular episode. So, weigh in. What was it about A Gathering of Days that uh, was so compelling for people? That it truly cannot be matched. It truly can't. Um, speaking of cannot be matched, let's get to the Newberry Medal. <laughs> Okay, well, you're doing the author bio. It's true. It's true. Um, So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're doing Summer of the Swans, which is a book by Betsy Byers, um, who's written like a trillion books, like truly an incredible number of books, like maybe a hundred. It's a lot. You go on Wikipedia, and that's like half of the Wikipedia pages, the books that she's written. Um, But anyway, she was not always known as Betsy Byers. She was born Betsy Cromer. I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina in 1928. All Wikipedia says about her childhood was that she lived during the Great Depression, which makes sense given the time that she was born. Um, she went to college. She graduated from Queens College in 1950, uh, which is in Charlotte, although she had initially attended another college in another city, but then transferred back to Charlotte. It was Furman University. It was Furman University, which Rebecca in actually... Greenville, South Carolina... Which you actually applied to. I did. Did you get in? I did. Wow. You could have followed you could have followed in the footsteps of Betsy Byers. Um, and her footsteps were these. Uh, she got a bachelor's degree in English. And then uh, the year she graduated, which was nineteen fifty, she married um, an engineering professor named Edward Ford Byers. Um, hence she became known as Betsy Byers as was the fashion at the time. Um, And uh, he taught at West Virginia University at the time, although he taught at a few different universities as well, and they kind of moved around depending on what university he taught at. Um, While he was at work, she started writing. Uh, She published in periodicals first, such as like the Saturday Evening Post, um, and then eventually started working on a novel. Her first novel um, was published in 1962, titled Clementine, um, and that's basically it. That's all she wrote. Well, that's not all she wrote, <laughs> but colloquially, that's, that's, 
you know, she has a very straightforward life. You know, some of these authors have really She's interesting, convoluted life. I'll get to those in a second. Oh. The two most interesting things about her on this Wikipedia page, which is all I had to go on, um, were this. Uh, her daughters, um, who are, um, oh, what are her daughters' names? It's Betsy... Betsy Duffy uh-huh. and Laurie Myers also write children's books, often together. Mm-hmm. Um, the second most interesting, or actually the first most interesting thing on the, the Wikipedia page is a sentence that Wikipedia gives with no context um, and is, in fact, only cited from the author's website, um, which they do not link to, I don't believe. Um, but uh, it's this, and I'll just read verbatim from the Wikipedia article. Betsy and Ed Byers are both licensed aircraft pilots and lived on an airstrip in Seneca, South Carolina, the bottom floor of their house being a hangar. That's it. They, <laughs> that sounds really interesting. That sounds like a Mary Poppins type scenario yes. where they lived on top of airplanes, but uh, they don't give us any more information about it. And then she died in 2020, uh, in February of 2020, um, which... When you're 90 plus years old, I would have checked out too right before the pandemic. So, um, good timing, Betsy. Mm. Anyway, that's her. Rebecca has pulled up her website, which looks like it hasn't been updated since like 1997. <laughs> like, it is hilariously. Uh, it's Here's like a, a picture of their house. It's got like if a. We were um, fancy and had show notes. It's got like a banana yellow background. Not um, the house, the website. Yeah, the website has been any old background with like like really old looking JPEGs on it. Anyway, the person who designed it cited themselves at the bottom. They're very proud of this. Um, it's 2003. That's the last time it was updated. It, that <laughs> tracks. Um, at any rate, Rebecca, uh, tell us about Summer of the Swans. What is this book about? Okay. Um, well, just as a note, I finished this book long ago. Um, long ago being probably a couple weeks ago. And so if you thought last time I didn't remember details of the plot of a book that I had read multiple times in childhood and then returned to as an adult, hopefully that doesn't happen this time. This book is not a very plot-heavy book, but let let me just start by saying I love Betsy Byers. I have read several of her books. She was one of my favorite authors in middle school. Um... I don't know if this is my favorite, but one that I remember really well and can remember a scene in particular is Cracker Jackson. I don't know if anybody's read that one, but that one's great. Was it because you grew up in Jackson? No, it has nothing to do with that. Glory Girl is also very good. Those are some of hers that I remember really well. Anyway, so I, this, I've read this book before. Michael has not. Um, so anyway... But Summer of the Swans is a coming-of-age story that follows 14-year-old Sarah Godfrey on a 24-hour journey in which her 10-year-old brother, Charlie... Is it exactly 24 hours? I don't know. That's what a site saw that I read. I mean, it, it takes place over, like, a two-day period, so... That would be 48 hours. Okay, listen. Continue. <laughs> I'll, I'll quit interrupting. Rebecca and I have had a conversation about how much I interrupt her. This evening, and so I'm already not off to a good uh, put forward here. Forget the number of hours or days. Anyway, her 10-year-old brother, Charlie, who has an intellectual disability, goes missing. Sarah and Charlie and their older sister live with their Aunt Willie, their paternal aunt, as their mother has died from an illness six years prior, and their father just basically couldn't deal and just sees them on the weekends. He works during the weekend, just sees them on the weekends. 
Um, Sarah's having a really tough summer. She's feeling very disconnected from others. She is very lonely. She's jealous of her sister's beauty. And I just want her to sister read... Wanda, yeah, her sister Wanda. Which I think is hilarious Wanda. that Wanda is this amazing beauty. Did I not say Wanda? You might have said Wanda, but I just think it's funny. Oh, no, I didn't. I just said older sister. Because when I envision a Wanda, it's like a woman with, like, you know, a Karen haircut who's, like, 65 years old. Well, maybe. Maybe Wanda grows up to be that. But anyway, I just wanted to read this one passage that kind of summarizes what Sarah is feeling in the summer that I think is just a beautiful passage. It says, Up until this year, it seemed, her life had flowed along with rhythmic evenness. The first 14 years of her life all seemed the same. She had loved her sister without envy, her aunt without finding her course, her brother without pity. Now all that was changed. She was filled with the discontent and anger about herself, her life, her family that made her think she would never be content again. So this summer, a a flock of swans has rehomed to a lake in their town and Sarah takes Charlie to go see them. Well, that same night, Charlie becomes restless and he can't sleep because his button has fallen off of his pajamas and his Aunt Willie wouldn't fix it. And he sees this white cat outside his window, but he thinks it's the swans who have come to his house. So he tries, he gets out of bed, he tries to go and follow it and find the rest of the swans. Well, he gets lost in the woods and is is gone overnight. The whole town um, goes to look for him. Aunt Willie's blaming herself because she didn't fix that button on his pajamas last night. She just wanted to finish watching her game show rather than sew this button back on. Completely relatable. Um, And then Sarah has this deep connection to Charlie. So she she feels very connected to him and she understands him better than anyone else. So she is the one that eventually finds him along with help from Joe Melby. So a note about Joe. Sarah hates Joe because she thinks that he stole a watch from Charlie. But in this journey, she actually finds out that this is not true and he's actually a really kind and helpful person. And the novel ends with Sarah talking to her dad on the phone who, no surprise to Sarah, decides he's not going to come home early when, because Charlie's already been found. And then Sarah goes to a party with Joe. So that's the novel's summary. It's really more of a novella. It's, it's yeah. very short. Yes. Go ahead. Good summary. What do you like about this book, Michael? I like a lot about this book. I thought it was good. Um, I did not know anything about the book, and I thought Swans would figure more prominently in it. Um, and I thought the summer in general would figure more prominently in it, but the the really tight time frame is really interesting because it's really just like the inflection point of this summer. Like, she's had this kind of crappy summer where she's really insecure about her appearance and she feels like increasingly um, at odds with the people around her, as you said. And then we get just this basically one incident, this really high, high tension, scary incident where they think that they've lost, well, they have lost momentarily, Charlie. And I think that the book does a really good job because it's all in her uh, third person limited point of view. And the book does a really good job of dramatizing her thoughts, um, but also doing it in a way that's really articulate and it's not like a book that has super flowery language or really goes out of its way. It's very naturalistic um, in the ways that it describes everything. But within that naturalism, um, there's a real precision about everything. And it's um, the prose is really strong, mm-hmm. I think. Um, I also like the characters. I really like um, Sarah. She's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like she keeps talking about how um, she hates all these things, and a lot of times they're somewhat self-inflicted. Like she hates her shoes because she tried to dye her shoes a different color, and now they're just this like ghastly color um, <laughs> that I can't remember what she compares it to. Is it like like red vines or something? Like it's. Well, the shoes were orange originally, and she's trying to dye them baby blue, but they end up being this terrible, yeah. ugly green color that right. her friend tells her that color is puce. Puce, and that's she right. she hates that. Yeah. Um, or there's also, she's very protective of Charlie, and there's this girl who barely appears in the book, but um, she gets, uh, she calls Charlie the R word, and... Um, Sarah does this to multiple people, including Joe, where she just, like, takes these extraordinary uh, revenges against, like, people um, and holds grudges and stuff. And it's very funny. What's the revenge that she takes she against? She water all over her silk dress. That's right. And her aunt's giving her a hard time about it. She was like, she's, she's, she better be glad that's all she got Right. In her she, dress. She's basically like, I would do it again. <laughs> um but, like, so there's parts of it that are really funny because Sarah is, like, a really entertaining protagonist. Um, and then uh, not all the other characters are, like, quite as vibrant, but they bounce off of Sarah really well. And mm-hmm. then, obviously, there's this, um, you know, event where they're searching for her that, like, I think very organically shows, like, her having, like, a change of perspective. Like, a lot of times yeah. uh, stories, especially children's stories, kind of strain to make, like... A person change in an instant but because this is so meticulous in a sh- showing a short period of time like her like kind of arc there I think it really justifies the um the change that she goes goes through mm-hmm. and I just think it's well done like it's a story that's incredibly modest like there's nothing big or ambitious about it um it's just this slice of life story but it's done really well and it's yes. done in a way that's very credible like I think a lesser version of the story would have involved, like, her reconciling with her father, but she doesn't. Like, that's a thread throughout the whole book where she's like, my dad doesn't care enough about us. He doesn't know how to interact with us, so he's just leaving us here with his aunt. Um, And then at the end of the book, he doesn't come through, and they just have a short conversation, and nothing's changed, and they just move on. Like, and it's, it's not like all of her problems are, like, magically solved. Like, it's truly like a... A slice of life in the sense mm-hmm. of we just have this little 24 48 hour like you know piece cut out of her you know her her childhood and that's all we get you know we don't get something that's grand we only get hints of what happened to her mother um we only get a very little backstory about anybody really mm-hmm. it's just she begins at the end of the summer having had kind of a bad summer she ends a day and a half later or so having kind of changed her perspective mm-hmm. in a fairly minor way, but in a way that makes sense given the story is told. And I just think it's really well done. Yeah. That's, I, I don't know, there's, I know you spent a lot of time before this coming up with very specifics. You got like some pages bookmarked and all that. No. Um, but I don't have, as much as I like the plot and the prose, there's not a lot of specifics that I would right. point to. It's just like as, it's just this really tight um, little like bobble of a book. And it's really good at what it's supposed to be. No, I completely agree with you. And those those are the same things that I love about it. I think I like books like this where it's not... I mean, I like complicated books too. But, but this one is just... 
it just is what it is. You know, it's just right. a simple little book, but it is done with such um, precision and detail. That's what I love about Betsy Byers is her books are not usually like these grand things, but, but she just... She is similar to, I, you'll hear me say this a lot in this podcast because this is what I truly love is that authors that remember what it is like to be a kid and can speak in their language. And I think right. she does that really well, especially with, when, and so I, everyone in this book, even if you don't see them very much, they have a distinct voice, except maybe Wanda. But even Charlie Wanda doesn't. Wanda has a distinct voice. She does, but. Um, they have some really fun inter- interchanges No, they too. do. They do. But even Charlie, who doesn't speak. You know, we don't hear him speak, but the novel switches mainly between, well, only between Sarah and Charlie's perspective. Only Charlie a few times. Yes. Though. It's mostly But Sarah's. even when we, when we get there, like, we know what's going through his mind. We understand what's worrying him and why it is so bothersome to him and why he cannot sleep and why he feels that these swans are calling to him. Like, she just, she just does a very good job of understanding the mind of a child at different stages and different levels of development and and letting her readers see that um, with very beautiful prose, as you mentioned. Um, I I think she's really similar to Irene Hunt and Beverly Cleary in those ways. Why I love those authors is why I also love her. Um, But I think even then when we're just getting Sarah and Charlie's perspective, we also see into the heart of Aunt Willie and her dad. You know, and we only ever hear him on the phone at the end. But the way that we understand, like, the lack of joy her dad is feeling now as opposed to before Charlie's sickness and before her mom's death, like, all of that is very moving. I think even the little bits that we get. Mm-hmm. Um, I Let's see, a lot of this I've already said. Just, I, I just want to say again, like, that passage I read at the beginning, I just think she really gets to that restlessness and that overwhelming feeling of being a young teenager when you just really feel out of place. You feel very lonely, even though you have friends. You feel like you have this lack of purpose that no one else understands. And I think that is a universal experience for teenagers that I don't feel books that are for teenagers, they don't always capture that. Yeah, a lot of times they try to. Yeah, they capture that thing about, like, there's different groups, and you're either in this group or in that group. But sometimes even in your own group, you feel very alone, and Mm -hmm. you feel very disconnected. And I I think she just really gets to the heart of that. Um, Like I said, like you mentioned, this book is also very funny. Um, I just want to read, like, just a few things. One thing I want to read is Aunt Willie, when she finds out that... Charlie has missing. This part almost made me cry because you can just hear the frantic face. I'm just going to read it. She said, I stood right here in this house, in that room, and I promised your mother, Sarah, that I would look after Charlie all my life. I promised your mother nothing would ever happen to Charlie as long as there was breath in my body. And now look, look, where's this boy I'm taking such good care of? Vanished without a trace. That's where. Um, And then she says, only one thing more important, Charlie. Only one thing, that devil television there. Oh, yes, that devil television. And, you know, she's just, like, beating herself up for just watching a game show. And, and like, just, I don't know. That I just, I, I think she's just really great at capturing feel, all these feelings. I feel for Aunt Willie. I do, too. She was just minding her own business, and I all of a sudden, too. her brother, her brother-in-law, yeah. 
was like, no, sorry, it's her brother. It's her brother. Yeah. Okay. That's right, because at one point she, she mentions that the, he had to kind of be the parent to them right. when their parents died. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, all of a sudden he's like, sorry, I can't have my kids anymore. Bye. Like, yeah. I would be, I'd be watching some game shows too. Yeah. And this other part, this is the last thing I'll read because this might be boring to people that are listening. But um, what do I want to? Um, when she's like thinking that she just cannot find Charlie and she's just preparing for her emotional breakdown, she says, I have cried over myself a hundred times this summer. She thought, I have wept over my big feet and my skinny legs and my nose. I have even cried over my stupid shoes. And now when I have a true sadness, there are no tears left. And so I just, I don't know. I think her prose is great. Her dialogue is great. And just the story is just simple, but it's everything it needs to be. So that's what I would say. It's a great example of how execution is so important because, like, we could have this exact same plot in summer, like, you know, concept for a book, and it would be terrible and boring. Right. Like, but the execution is such that it's really engaging. Right. But, like, we've all read these stories as, like, oh, the teenager feels out of place. You know, she doesn't feel like that she looks good, and, like, she doesn't relate to her intellectually disabled brother or whatever and like so many things like just could have been either bad or boring or maudlin but it's none of that it's very um it's it's very engaging and well observed and all the things that we've already said like that's kind of what's amazing about the book is that it's so easy to imagine how this could have gone wrong but it didn't yeah it's very good and I just think back to books that we've read that have had really boring plots and also none of this good prose and none of this good dialogue. And that's why we didn't like them. It wasn't just because there wasn't anything happening in the book. It's that the, I just think Betsy Byers it, takes great care with the little details and events that are going on. And that's what I love about her. I did not dislike anything about this book. I I disliked one thing, okay. which is the cover of this oh book. Oh my gosh. The cover of the, <laughs> as we mentioned, this book spends a great deal of time with Sarah's angst about um uh like her appearance and like that she doesn't look good and all that. And we all know that like people, especially people in adolescence, have like distorted views of how they look and like haven't quite learned how to present themselves or understand like how they look. And so that oftentimes results in like uh, unreliable understandings of like you know whether or not they actually are quote unquote attractive or you know have are able to fit conventional beauty standards like we all know that like you can't always believe someone when they say they don't look good that said the cover of this edition of the book that um, Rebecca has is ridiculous it's from 1996 by Bill Dodge. Write that name down. Bill Dodge. Um, also, Stephanie Rosenfeld designed the he cover. He probably did Up Road Slowly. It's very similar. It is. So, like, looks... let me describe the book. It, you have, it's this painting uh, with definitely Charlie and I presume Sarah. Um, and they're standing in front of the lake with swans flying in the background. Like, that's all fine. But these children who are painted on here look like Gap models. And they have... Sarah has the wind blowing in her hair. That's like a also, glamorous shoot. he has on no watch. No watch. Well, his watch does break at the but end. But he's maybe. not wearing his pajamas. It's true. So this would have been the Yeah, first so time. it's... It is... It is a betrayal of who these characters are. Um, and you'll often find this where the cover illustrations 
I'm sure that these people are like hired by like Random House or whoever Scholastic. This is that's who publishes. And I'm sure that they like make like ten thousand covers a year or something. And so it's not like that they're spending a lot of time on each one. But you could have read the first chapter of this book and made a better cover than this. And so I say shame on you, Bill Dodge. Shame on you, Stephanie Rosenfeld, for not making a better cover um, because this is ridiculous. But you should read this book. It will only take you a few hours. It's a very short, sweet little um, story. And it won't take much time out of your day, but it will fill your heart with great joy. That's true. That's, that's exactly right. Um, thumbs up, right? Yeah, two. Mm-hmm. Two thumbs up. Um, well, next time. You don't Did have we any, you don't, We don't have anything else to say about this book, do you? No. Okay. Next time on the Newberry Chronicles, drum roll, because i got to look up the info on this book. Can you give me a drum roll, Rebecca? No. Oh. <laughs> well, there's just going to be dead air with it's me. It's Dear Mr. Henshaw yeah, so by Beverly Cleary. Beverly Cleary's one and only Newberry Metal. Um, Which is sad that this is her only one. This is a great book. This is what Wikipedia calls a juvenile epistolary novel. Mm. So you already know you're in good hands with that. <laughs> um, but uh, it's uh, the Newberry Medal winner from 1984. Back in the 80s, baby. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to get perms. going to listen to some like Tears for Fears and Madonna, All you right. know. And Michael and I have both read this book. It's so. been a long time. Yeah. I read this book in It's been a long school, time probably. for me, too. So I barely remember anything about it except someone's parents were divorced, right? I do remember that cover, though. I'm looking at that cover. I think about that kid's face. Whenever this book, whenever I hear the title of this book, it's that kid's face that comes to mind. It's not a good face. It's not a great face. Could have drawn a better face. (laughs) That said... We're being very critical of illustrations right now. I could illustrate this better. I'm sure. Yeah. Because I'm I'm well known for my book cover illustration Mm -hmm. skills. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. Well... Let us know if you want us to talk about other books. It would just, yeah, it would just be a little short segment at the beginning. Um, also, don't forget to email us, newberrychronicles at gmail.com. Um, any and all feedback, that's also, um, we may, as, as, a, as a point of excitement, mm-hmm. we may be adding theme music to, yes. our, to our episodes. Our dear friend so. Jake Ward has composed a few little ditties, so we will figure out how to put that on the podcast. Yeah, and we'll shout out his uh, his Bandcamp page, too. Yeah. All right. At any rate, this is our shortest episode in a while, Rebecca. All right. So, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.